Well, it's an honor to be able to speak this morning, and, and I don't take this moment for granted, or I don't take it lightly uh, for a pastor to be able to uh, turn his pulpit over to the associate on one of the biggest celebrations of the year. Um, uh, is Well, there's two reasons why a pastor would do that. Number one, because he has confidence, or number two, he's wanting him out, and he wants everyone to see why. <laughs> and so... <laughs> time will tell but uh, it, I, I, I do uh, I am humbled when pastor came and asked if I would be interested in taking this morning's s- service and uh, it's a great opportunity it's a great privilege a great honor so I want to say thank you pastor for your trust and confidence this morning and uh, just to echo what he said we do have an incredible church family and if you're looking for a church family, hey, there's an incredible one here. I know yeah. there's many good church families across our area, across our communities, uh, but we're, we're in need of help. We, we've got a, a community to reach for Jesus, and we need all the people on board that we can. Amen? Yeah. So we'd love to have you as a part of the Elm Grove family. Uh, we've been in a series since the 1st of, of December called The Original Christmas Cast. And in this series, we just went back, and, and we just kind of went traditional. And we took a look just straight from the Word of God about uh, the players in the Christmas cast. The the wise men, Herod, the angels, the shepherds, um, Mary. And and today we're just going to kind of put a a bow on all this. And we're going to probably talk about everybody in this cast. Um, Just kind of an idea that God laid on on my heart a couple weeks ago for this specific morning. And so, um, uh, you know, as, as you drive... Man, over the past, it seems like, I think it's nine or ten days, uh, I've made six trips to Oklahoma City. I've got pastor's anointing now. Um, <laughs> I think we've made six trips to Oklahoma City. Um, and as you drive down I-40, uh, you, th- th- there's, there's signs everywhere. Outside of election season, Christmas is uh, probably the greatest season for the greatest signage that's out there. Because um, as you drive through, as you drive down I forty, um, playing bumper cars with everybody else, uh, there, you know there's billboards that churches have put up advertising their Christmas services. There's billboards that, that dealerships, auto dealerships have put up advertising their Christmas sales. You know there's there's billboards that, that companies have put up advertising their Christmas sales. There's advertisement everywhere. If you don't want to go on I forty and you feel even more dangerous, you go to a place called the mall right and in the mall there's signs up everywhere come on in you know 40% off you know this small rack in the back come on in you know come on in you know buy one get one free you know come on in there's signs everywhere and if you don't want to go to the mall and you don't want to drive down I-40 just drive through a neighborhood and you'll see Christmas lights and a lot of times in those Christmas lights there's Things that are lit up, signs, Noel, or Silent Night, or Merry Christmas, or Please Leave, You're Trespassing, something like that. There's signs everywhere. And you would think with all the signage around Christmas that it is impossible to miss Christmas in the United States of America. But I'm going to say sadly, however, this week, many people will. And this morning, I want to talk to you about a very interesting subject. I'm going to talk to you about signs. I want to talk to you about signs, and not the kind of signs I just mentioned, but personal signs that we have up in our own life. 
The signs that will either keep us away from the manger or the signs that will pull us toward the manger, closer to the manger. And our desire at Elm Grove, as the staff at Elm Grove, our desire is that this is the most meaningful Christmas that you've ever experienced. But if we're going to get in on it, then we've got to understand and we've got to discern signage. And we're going to talk about that today. Look with me in Luke chapter 2, verse 12. In Luke chapter 2, verse 12, it'll be on the screen. The angels are, uh, are speaking here to the shepherds. And notice what the angels said. The angels say, this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Now, a sign is defined as a mark, a symbol, or an emblem. All right, And I want you to meet some people as we talk today. I want you to meet some people who are all individuals with which I think we can all identify with and we can all relate to. Now these people missed the very first Christmas 2,000 years ago. And as I've been studying the, uh, the, 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 the characters of the original Christmas cast for our series, I've thought about certain times and certain seasons in my life and certain moments when I was a lot like these individuals. And the first person I'm going to talk to, the, per- the first person I'm going to get up close and personal with about is a dude named the innkeeper. The innkeeper. Now, his name was Tom O'Dell, and he'll leave the light on for you, right? right. If you don't get that, you're too young. Okay? But the innkeeper. And you study the innkeeper. The innkeeper, he was an interesting dude. There was a census taking place, and there were thousands and thousands of people who were coming to a tiny town called Bethlehem. Now, we think of Bethlehem. Today, Bethlehem is, is, a, is a large city, but back in this time, Bethlehem had between three and, and 800 people, okay? It, it was a small community. It was like Chester and Ceiling, right? 300 to 800 people. Most scholars all agree that at any time, it was always less than 1,000. But 300 to 800 people, and it was five miles, located five miles just outside of Jerusalem, Bethlehem was. And so this three to 800 people, the reason the numbers fluctuate is because of the festivals and the celebrations in Jerusalem. When it was a festival, the numbers in Bethlehem would rise up seven, 800. When those festivals and those things would, would be over, it'd go back down to 300. So we're talking about a small community here. Mary and Joseph, they traveled to Bethlehem. Now, thousands and thousands of people are now converging on Bethlehem, all right? right? It's like if thousands and thousands of people would have come and converge on Chester, America, right? <laughs> what would we do? I'd tell you what we'd do. We'd have a rib dinner. That's what we'd do, right? <laughs> and so, <laughs> and all of God's children said, Amen. I even heard it from Sherry. I heard it. <laughs> but you've got thousands and thousands of people converging on a little town called Bethlehem. Yeah. Mary and Joseph, they're coming in. Mary's nine months pregnant, riding on a donkey. Shrek! Donkey! Shrek! You know, she's riding in on a donkey. Yeah. And here, now if you didn't get that, you're, never mind. <laughs> so now, Mary's riding on a donkey at nine months pregnant. She's traveled several, several, several miles. Can you imagine that? They show up at the Hilton of Bethlehem. And when they get there, the innkeeper, he tells them, he says, hey, just, there's no room. There, there's no vacancy. There's no room in my inn. It's the no vacancy sign. The no, how many of you have ever seen this sign? You're looking for a hotel? Isn't just a blessing, right? But there's a no vacancy sign. 
See, if the innkeeper could have seen what was going to take place and invited Mary and Joseph into his place, he would have had to ask someone else to leave. In other words, to invite the Christ child in, he would have had to get rid of someone else. Oh. See, the same is true of our life. When we, when we invite Christ into our life, when we make a manger out of our heart, we're going to have to probably display some things in our life. Right. Like who's sitting on the throne of your life. I know you didn't come for this. I, I know you just, you know, we just, just lift me up and encourage me. I understand, but I, something's got to go. Something or someone, when we invite Christ into our life, something or someone has taken the throne of our life to that point, and whatever that is, it has got to go to receive Christ. It's frustrating to enter a place and find a no vacancy sign. See, Jesus wants to enter our life this morning in a very real way. But do we, though, do we have a no vacancy sign up during this season? Are we doing the innkeeper thing? Are we like, hey, I'm good, I'm God, I'm, I'm on the throne, all's good, I'm making good decisions, let's just move on. Do we have that no vacancy sign? Wow. There's another sign I want to talk to you about. And this sign's put up by a group of people that we're going to talk about called the religious leaders. The religious leaders of that day, they put up a detour sign. They put up a detour sign. Um, here's the situation. They're wise men. They've traveled from uh, far off to Jerusalem, which Jerusalem was the epicenter of religious faith at that time and still is today. Kind of like Kansas City is the epicenter of barbecue, right? Outside of Chester. We know that. Outside of Chester. And they asked King Herod, where the Messiah was, right? Where's, where's the king that's born? And they wanted to know where they could go and worship him. Well, Herod, he's clueless. And Herod, he, he's a very paranoid person. So King Herod, he calls in all the religious leaders. Talked about this last week a little bit. He calls in all the religious leaders. He questioned them. And the religious leaders tell him, hey, well, you know, in the Old Testament, in Micah 5, 2, the Christ child was is to be born, is to be born in Bethlehem. So King Herod relays the message to the wise men. The wise men, they cruise off on their camels to worship God. The astonishing thing is not one religious leader shows up at Christ's birth. They're five miles away. Five miles. Five miles. They're five miles away. They know the word of God. They know that Micah says the Christ is to be born in Bethlehem. The wise men show up. They found the star. All these signs are coming together. And yet the religious leaders five miles away don't make an attempt to get to Bethlehem. They stay right where they're at. They were off on this information thing. They wanted to know the law, ritualism, religiosity, and they missed one of the most profound events in human history. Five miles away, the moment that God sent his son, they missed it. Could we have a detour sign up in our life? Could we be kind of off the main highway this morning? Is there a detour road that we've taken in our own life? Wow. I, I remember several years ago, me you know the story about me and my wife. Her dad was our pastor at Haleyville from 84 through 88. And then they left and, and moved to Garber. Haleyville's in southeast Oklahoma. That's where I'm from. Then they moved to Garber, 
which is just east of Enid. During that time, our family stayed real close. My, my, my dad and her dad, they were good friends. My mom and her mom were good friends. And me and Jenny, you know, we, we, we stayed good friends. We weren't married yet. We just, we, we were in elementary school. And so we, we all stayed good friends. And so one summer, uh, we come up to visit them. We were going to stay the weekend with them, go to church. Uh, I think I was in like fifth or sixth grade. And so we come up to stay the weekend and go to church and just hang out with her and her family and and we get on Highway 412, just, just east of Enid. Again, we, we come up to Tulsa and get on 412 and zip on over. And, you know, and, and so we're, we're just east of Enid. There's a highway called 74. It goes through Crescent. It goes through Covington. You know, goes up through Garber. How many know what I'm talking about? Every man in the place raises their hand whether you know or not. You're like, yeah, I know right where you're at, brother. Right? <laughs> And so, uh, Highway 74 and 412. Now, at that intersection, we're on 412 heading west. Garber is literally two miles to the north off of 412. We're in western Oklahoma. You can see Garber, man. Okay? You can see it. I can see it with my eyes. There's a town. Now, we've never been to Garber, never heard of Garber. The closest thing I've ever heard of Garber was Gerber, and I enjoyed that food when I was younger. And so we come up. And we are two miles from Garber. We take the exit because Jenny's parents had told my dad. Now, this was before Siri and all this other stuff. We went by father's intuition. Okay? We are two miles from Garber. We see it. I see it. I don't know it's Garber, but there's a city, right? There's a town. Okay? There's a grain elevator right there. (laughs) We are two miles from Garber. And my dad says, I think they told me to turn left right here. Instead of turning right two miles and going into Garber. I'm pretty sure they told me turn left and they said just go straight and we'll run right into Garber. We turn left. We get all the way to Crescent America, man. That's like 35, 40 miles from that intersection. Okay? My mom, I distinctly remember hearing my mom say, are you sure, Arlie? Are you sure this is the right way? Yeah, they said just keep on going and we'll run right into it. It's got to be down here somewhere. And I said, Dad, when we reach the Texas line, we know we have went too far. Okay? We end up, we're in Crescent, Oklahoma. Crescent, America. My dad decides to pull over and do the thing that men do not want to do. What is that? Ask directions. He pulls over, he goes inside, you know, you got to buy a pop in the candy bar so you don't look like an idiot. You know, hey, by the way, we're just heading to, you know, Garber. Are we on the right road here? Back that way. Okay, that's, that's, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. <laughs> Gets in the car. We go back the direction that we just come from. We're passing the same thing over and over again. All right? She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. All right? We get back to the intersection where we first began. There's Garber two miles away two hours later. Right? Yeah. Now, check it out. There's a reason I said that. Because some of you today, you're at this intersection in life, and God has brought you to Elm Grove this morning. And you are so close from getting on board to the destiny of your life that God has for you. Right now, just one turn away, one decision, one moment today, and you're right in the destiny that God's called you to. But a lot of times, we want to do it on our own. 
and we take a detour and we end up in Crescent, Oklahoma. They don't even have a Sonic, y'all. Right? Maybe they do. They didn't then. I know that. They had a convenience store. But today, you're so close. You're here, and if you just look with your heart, you can see what God wants you to do. You can see your garber in the the distance. You can see exactly what God's wanting you to do. Don't detour on your own. Don't take the detour. Don't miss out this morning on what God wants to do in your heart and in your life. Come on, if you agree with that, put your hands together today. There's a third group of people, okay? This third group of people I want to talk about, actually just represented by a person. His name is King Herod. See, King Herod, he put this sign up. Go ahead, J.D. He put the caution sign up. He put the caution sign up. He was fearful. He was scared. King Herod, when he found out that a king was born, he thought that king was going to take his throne. So he ordered all the male children two years of age and under in Bethlehem to be killed, okay? Now, King Herod also had his mother-in-law killed, I didn't tell you this last week. He had his wife killed, and he had his sons killed. Okay? Yeah. Right. Right. Coo, 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 coo. Right? Right. Blew off his rocker. He thought that all those people were going to try to take the throne from him. The guy was more than a little paranoid. Let me say, paranoia will destroy you. (laughs) Come on, I worked on that for two weeks. That was good. Paranoia will destroy you. And it did for King Herod. And a lot of people keep this sign up. They keep the caution sign up. We're fearful of becoming Christians. They're fearful of giving their life to Christ. Because our enemy wants to whisper in our ear, hey, don't become a Christian. If you become a Christian, you're going to turn into that crazy person, right? That granola Christian. What's a granola Christian? It's a fruit flake and nut all wrapped in one. i got to move on. There's so much. God, he's going to turn you crazy, man. God, God's a cosmic killjoy, too. You'll be a fanatic. You'll be a nut. He's a killjoy. You have to keep all of his rules. Then you don't have a good time. Christians, they don't know how to enjoy life. And we listen to that. And we put up this caution sign in our life, and it keeps us from knowing the secret, the answer to this life, which is to have an encounter with the Power Ranger. (laughs) Get it? (laughs) Not Power Ranger? If you didn't get that, track! You didn't get that either. So he wants you to encounter him today. But now let's look at the good news. Those are the three signs that maybe we have up, but there's some three other quick signs. I'm going to go through real quick that we need up this morning to have an experience on this Christmas day like we've never had before. And if you want to experience Christmas, I told you last week, I just don't want to celebrate Christmas anymore. I want to experience it. And if you want to experience Christmas, well, let's talk about it. We've got to be like the shepherds. What's the shepherds? Luke 2.8 says there were shepherds living out in the fields. Now, shepherds were the lowest of the low. Shepherds couldn't even enter the temple to worship. They couldn't go into worship. Shepherds had B.O. and S.O. One on top, body odor and sheep odor. Okay? Shepherds had all that. And I'm not joking. They, you go back and you, they, they, had, they had a nice aroma to them. And, and, and one would wonder why would God choose the shepherds 
to speak to out of all the people in the world? Why not a king? Why not a princess? Why not a major power player on the, in this earth? Why would he speak to shepherds? Well, you know why God chose shepherds? Because they were living out in the fields. They had time. They stopped and listened to him. They were responsive. They knew what it meant to stop and to be still and to know that he is God. Let's use the stop sign. Go that stop sign, J.D. Stop sign. This is the sign they had up. See, because Psalm 39, verse 6, it tells us this. It says, all of man's busy rushing ends in nothing. All of man's busy rushing ends in nothing. How many of you have been rushing over this season? Right? On Friday night, no joke, I rushed to get back to Western Sizzling before they closed for the final night. And I post on Facebook, and I'm not ashamed. Okay? As I, you know, it's just, just, a, it's just a very important help turn me into the man you see before you today. That's no joke. That's double X man. But how many of us, we've been rushing all this season? There's parties, there's gifts, there's travel. And the word says all of man's rushing leads to nothing. And our enemy wants us so busy that we miss the essence of Christmas. The latter part of that scripture says he heaps up riches for someone else to spend. Obviously, he's talking about a man that's married. All right. Come on, that's funny. That's funny. As a friend of mine says, people get so involved in making a living that they forget to make a life. People get so involved in making a living that they forget to make a life. Man is busy rushing. The shepherds, they weren't rushing. They were out in the fields. And that's why the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. The tragedy is that when God calls, this is usually what happens, even in my own life. Hello, Jared. God calling. Uh, uh, Thanks for calling, God. My family and I were not around at the moment. If you could, please leave your name, number, and a message. And we'll get back to you whenever we have time. Thank you for calling God. Leave your message at the beat. Beep. Right? right. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we just get so busy. Yeah, we, we get so busy. Now let's have confession time. Y'all ready for this? I'm ready. I'm tired of being the only one up here. <laughs> let's have some confession time. How many of you, when you were driving your car late at night, and you, your, your lights are on, and you come up to a stop sign, and maybe you're out in the middle of the country, or you're out on, you know, on a road that there's no one else, and you come to a stop sign, and you look around, and you see no other lights in any direction coming forever. How many of you don't stop? Please stand. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, in my life, I've never done a thing like that. I just want to see you guys. And if I did, you can't prove it because there's no video cameras out here in Chester. But we've all done something like that. We all have come to a stop sign, know that no one's around, and we just kind of roll through it. We've all done that, just coasted through. That's the same way we kind of coast through this season. We just kind of coast through Christmas. God tells us in his word, stop. 
Stop all your busy rushing. Stop. Be still and spend some time with Know that I am God, and we'll, we will, but we'll keep coasting and we'll keep moving on. And it's sad that sometimes we look back over our life and we know that God wanted to connect with us in that moment, but oftentimes we didn't stop and we didn't slow down and we didn't connect because we didn't, either we didn't want to or we just didn't know how. Here's some homework. Maybe we're the only church around that's going to give you Christmas homework. But I want, I want you to do something for me over these next couple of days. I want, I want you to stop. I want you to take 30 minutes of your time. Okay? Take 30 minutes of your time. No TV, no computer, no special someone. Okay? And for many of us, that's our phone. <laughs> Come on, that was good. That was good. You know that hit home. That's why it got real quiet right there. No phone, no special someone, no TV, no laptop, no computer, no noise. I just want you to take 30 minutes. Maybe one evening when it's dark outside, just walk out and look up in the heavenlies. And I just want you to pause just just for a moment and say, God, what do you want from me? What do you want to say to me? What do you have for me? What promise do I need to grab hold of? And I promise, if you'll just take 30 minutes, one sitcom, take 30 minutes and just cancel everything else out, God will begin revealing some things to you for your life. Just 30 minutes. And I want to ask you, over the next few days, okay, just pause for 30 minutes, okay? Your husband walks outside and you, honey, where are you going? It's 1030 at night. Get back in here. I'm spending time with God. Leave him alone. Okay? Maybe the wife walks out. Honey, where are you going? I don't have my ham sandwich yet. I'm spending time with you. Leave her alone. Give them 30 minutes and see if God will not reveal some things into their heart and into their life as they spend that time with him. The next group of people, y'all still with me? Yeah. Hey, we're wrapping up. The next group of people is made up of two icons. It's made up of Mary, made up of Joseph. And they put up another sign. They put up the yield sign. And I'll be honest with you. I do not like to yield when I'm driving. Do you? Everybody does? Well, bless your hearts. I don't. I, 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 I'd rather see a stop sign than a yield sign. A yield sign is like a challenge. <laughs> Come on, you know what I'm talking about. A yield sign is like a challenge. You're going at a comfortable speed, and all of a sudden that yield sign pops up, and you got to slow down, you got to surrender your lane to another car and let them ease in, and you're doing 60, and now they're doing 40, and you're rushing around because it's Christmas, right? What if we decided that we're not going to yield anymore? What if we decided, you know what, I'm done with yielding in life? I'll tell you what, me and Pastor would have a lot of hospital calls over the next couple of days. <laughs> That's what would happen. But even more than just in our cars, what if like at Walmart you go in and you decide, you know what, I'm not yielding for anyone or any buggies in here today, right? We would still have some hospital calls, right? Because that place is crazy. And so you go in and, you know, everywhere you turn, you're, you're yielding to someone. Someone's passing by. Someone's walking down your way. Someone's walking down your aisle. You're, you know, and so it's just crazy, the yield sign. 
How crazy is it to, to, to throw up that sign in our life? We all come in contact with people who are not very good to yield. And maybe it's us. Maybe we're not good at yielding our life to the Lord. We've decided we're going to do life our way. But Mary and Joseph, they did though. In fact, in Luke 2.19, it said, Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. Talk about having some strikes against her. You're Mary. She was a female. She's pregnant outside of marriage. She was dirt poor. In fact, you could list the most least likely person to be used by God. And Mary and Joseph, from a humanistic perspective and standpoint, probably fit that mold the best. But God chose them, however, because Mary yielded herself to the Lord. Jump down to Matthew 2.24. Talk about Joseph. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do and took Mary home as his wife. Now think about Joseph, guys. Think about him. Just for a second. He's engaged. He's given Mary the ring. Mary walks in one day and says, by the way, Joey, I'm pregnant and God's the father. Come on. What would you say? What would you do? <laughs> Give me the ring back. Right? There, there's, there's, there's no way. This, you cheater. We're going to go on Jerry Springer and you're going to tell him what you did. Right? <laughs> this is ridiculous. What do you mean you're pregnant by God? That's crazy, Mary. You're crazy. Can you imagine how, how Joey must have felt in that moment? Now listen, men, that's probably not going to happen to you, right? <laughs> if it does, hey, pastor's around, call him and talk to him, right? But, but God will ask you to do some things and to get involved in maybe some areas or to help out in some things. You're like, that's crazy. You know, I, I can't even stand kids. Why would God want me to get involved in kids' ministry? Maybe he's trying to, oh, come on, somebody. You know? And so the key word there in this sign is yield. Don't grit your teeth and grab the steering wheel of your life and put the pedal to the metal and say, I'm doing it my way. It's my way on the highway. No, yield. The third group, finally. They're the wise men. I love to talk to you about the wise men. Because the wise men, they put up this sign. They put up the U-turn sign. The wise men were individuals who either lived in India or in China, most scholars believe. And they were probably, from what we know, probably more than three wise men, but they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, so you just attach one to each present and put them in the nativity, and it makes the nativity scene a lot cheaper to purchase. What? <laughs> if you had an actual nativity, they said there could have been up to 50 wise men that made this trip. And so these wise men come in, and in Matthew chapter 2, 1 and 2, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? Now remember, Jerusalem is the hotbed of religion. These people, these wise men, they're seekers. Okay, They don't have any preconceived notions. They just sought the truth. And when you seek the truth with, with, with an open heart, you are way ahead of the game already. See, we, there's a lot of people who might darken the doors of a church. A lot of people who might come in. There's a lot of people who might come in with, with doubts and questions and all that. That's fine. We, we want you to. You got doubts. You got questions. Come on in. But don't stop seeking. Okay? Right. Don't, 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 don't stop asking. Right. 
Keep going. Don't let that derail you. Jesus Christ, hear me, is either the Son of God or the biggest con man in human history. And you've got to make up in your mind that decision today. Is he either who he says he is, the Son of God, or is he the biggest con man in history? And if he's the biggest con man in history, then I guess billions of people across human history have lied. And if he's the biggest con man in history, then what am I doing here and what are you doing here? And why are a billion people going to celebrate Christmas over these next few days? No, he's not the biggest con man. I know because I've experienced him for myself. I've never seen him and I've never touched him, but I know what he's done in my life. I know what he's done in my family. I know what he's done in my home. I know what he did for my mom and for my dad. I've seen what he's doing in our ministries. I've seen what he's doing in our church. And you cannot convince me that he is not who he says he is. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. And he is the soon coming King. I believe it. And if you're an honest seeker like the wise men, he will reveal himself to you. Matthew 1, 2. Excuse me, Matthew 2, verse 1 and 2. It says, we saw the star in the east and we've come to worship him. We talked last week about how God will send a star to your life to direct you to Christ. And today he uses people. Today there's been stars in my life. There's been a mom and a dad and a Sunday school teacher and a grandmother and a couple of aunts that God has used to direct my life to Christ. And there's maybe the person that you came with today is being used today as your star because they're, you're here and they're directing you to Christ and they're trying to get you to this point to hear this message that God loves you and God came for you and God died for you and God wants to save you and God's coming back for you one day. During the Christmas season, won't you get in touch with this? Won't you really seek and discern what this is all about? I'm not talking about churchianity. I'm not talking about religion or ritual. I'm talking about relationship. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, You will seek me when you find me with, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Have you ever had a doubt about this thing? You ever had a doubt? about your relationship with Christ, I'll be honest, I have. There are some things I just don't get. There are some things I just don't understand. But it doesn't keep me from seeking. It doesn't keep me from going after him. There are some things about, uh, you know, internal combustion I, I don't get. But it won't keep me from getting in my truck after church and driving home. There are some things about chemistry and digestion that I don't understand. But it sure didn't stop me from eating this morning. Well, and I'll be honest, there's some things about God I don't understand. There's some things I'm not privy to yet. And I don't get everything that he does. But that doesn't mean I can't benefit from it. And so I keep going. And I keep pushing. And this is where faith comes in. And this is where we all have to make a decision to do what the wise men did. To keep searching. To keep seeking. And later on in 11 and 12 of chapter 2, it says, And when they found him, they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they returned to, the country, to their country by another route. See, once you come in contact with the power manger, once you know who Jesus Christ is personally, yes. you worship him. Yes. And then you leave by another route. Yes. See, the wise men, they had the U-turn sign up. And there's some things maybe in our life today that there needs to be a U-turn. See, this repent thing, 
that God says we need to turn from our ways? This repent thing? That's our part of salvation. God's part is to forgive and to save. And he's faithful with his. We need to be faithful with ours. So continue on with that U-turn sign. I just want you to think about what areas in your life in this next year do maybe we need to make a U-turn on. And I pray that whatever signs that we have up this morning, whatever signs that we've went through that may be connected with you, that maybe this morning as we see the signs, as we understand the personal, we've discerned the personal signage in our life, maybe God wants to speak to you something today about a U-turn in a situation, about a new direction, and about new life. Will you bow your head with me this morning? Father, today we come before you, and God, I just lift each and every heart and each and every soul before you today. God, I thank you for your many blessings, and I thank you for this time that we've had together to study your word. And God, I pray that right now, Holy Spirit, you are drawing people to you. You're speaking to hearts, and you're speaking to lives, and there's been something that has connected with those in this house today. God, those who are in search of a Savior who've never made that decision to follow you and those who have, but yet they're just things in their, their life that, we, that they're struggling with. God, I, we've all been there. God, they're just things in life that they're struggling with. There's things in life that, that are happening right now that God that has forced them to put a sign up. God, this morning I pray that you would speak to every heart and every life today. And God, do a work that only you can do. And we'll give you praise and glory for it all in Jesus' name.